Hey everyone, welcome back to the FPL script. This is season two, episode eight of our podcast for the 23-24 FPL season. And this is, of course, our game week seven preview, a double game week as well, but not the most important, I would say, you know, just as a preview. As far as game week six, if we just quickly recap that, I'm your co-host Fran, or otherwise known as FPL Fran on Twitter. Had a pretty bad week, uh, probably my first one of the season that was truly bad beyond, let's say, just game week one or two, really nothing outside of Chobel to trip here. And then not only did I go from Chobel to trip here, but I managed to bag a Gusto red card in exchange, which also forces me now to look at potential defender moves for the next two game weeks, as opposed to, you know, playing around with my team in other ways. So sort of one step forward in terms of moving Chobel out, but then felt like two steps back to be quite honest with Gusto and then ended up with 66 points. So. 320% red, not bad. Um, so we move. Yeah, hi everyone. I'm JD, also known as Shadon Fordist on Twitter. So I obviously had an incredible game week. I had double Newcastle defense. I had Son, Bruno Fernandes, Saka, you know, Holland captain, everyone did. So the game week didn't start off the greatest because City got a clean sheet and Alvarez was subbed before 60 minutes. So that game was actually extremely bad for me and I think for Fran as well because we had the same players from that game. But then it took a turn for the better and it kept getting better until the Newcastle game which was just an obscene amount of positive variance. I don't think I'm going to get that kind of variance again this season because getting 30 points from two defenders is unheard of. I mean, I don't remember the last time I got that many points from uh, two defenders playing for the same team. So... Nothing to complain about and I think I'm in a better position than most players because I already have double Newcastle defence. So, probably going to roll this week and see where we go in game week 8. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, moving on to double game week 7 though. I think it's it's interesting, you know, we talked about United just off of that with Onana. But we are probably not so interested in United assets from an attacking point of view. But... When we talk about defenders, they're still quite interesting and probably on the radar of a couple managers, particularly those who are actually, you know, searching for a transfer here on this week. For example, like myself, where, you know, I've got Gusto and I'm looking for a defender this week. Dallo actually appears as quite an interesting option. And obviously, I'll probably have to listen in to the Regulon news just to see if I can actually get Regulon at 4.4, which is, you know, a steal if I can get three or four weeks of Regulon and maybe even you know, put myself in a position where I can wildcard 10, worst case, if he's like dealing with competition by then. So that's something that's interesting to me. But generally, I think the the theme of this week too, on the back of that as well, is a lot of people are now planning towards um, a definitive wildcard. And I think 8 and 10 are probably the most popular windows. So with this double game week 7, you know, particularly if you're, let's say, someone who actually owns Jackson, I think you're probably thinking about a very simple standard move like Jackson to Morris this week. In fact, I think a lot of managers have already pulled the trigger on that one, expecting a Jackson price rise, um, sorry, a price fall, and then also conversely, a, a Morris price rise mm. last night. I think the Morris price rise is probably going to happen today. Um, Jackson and Sterling probably also going to fall today. But on the other hand, you know, it, it is a transfer where if let's say you went for the Alvarez move last week, you are sort of thinking about whether you want to go Alvarez to Morris or if you've got money in the bank, you have probably a little bit more of a flexible opportunity to go something like Archer or another 4.5, 4.4 forward into Morris. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. So if you're talking about Alvarez to Morris, are you talking about dead ending for a wildcard? 
Yeah, potentially. Yeah, because if you're not, I struggle to think how that is a transfer that anyone would make because take the best case scenario for Morris and the worst case scenario for Alvarez, which is Alvarez gets less minutes against Wolves because yeah. uh, there's Champions League in midweek and then Arsenal on the weekend after uh, game week eight. Uh, Game week 7, sorry. So, even if you consider that kind of a scenario, long term, if you look at, let's say, in the next 5 weeks, you are not going to play Morris beyond the double game week. Because any fixture that Luther has normally as a single game week fixture is a bad fixture for their attack because they can't score. And their XG has also not supported the fact that they are able to create chances at a steady pace. So, all that given, I don't see how you would go from Alvarez to Morris, especially if you've uh, gotten Alvarez recently, like I have, for example. If you've had him, like, for example, when Fran bought him in game week four, uh, I think it's okay. At least you got a lot of points from him and maybe you can consider four points out of those points as being dedicated to a quick swap between Alvarez, Morris, and then back to Alvarez uh, later down the line. But Jackson to Morris obviously makes sense because Jackson is suspended. Uh, but then again, even in that move, you have to consider, are you thinking about long-term strategy? Do you want that money somewhere else? Because if you want to persevere with having Morris benched every single week, so that's a 5.5 and soon to be, I think, 5.6 million striker on your bench. And you will also have, in some cases, people have don't have a 4 million defender as well. The cheapest defender that they have is a 4.5 defender in Udogi, who's also risen in price, but assuming that they got him at 4.5. So, looking at all of this, the benches are quite heavily stacked now. And the more money you're pumping into your bench, the less probability there is that you will be able to afford Salah and Holland later down the line. Because I'm assuming most people don't plan on selling Holland to get Salah. If you do, fair enough. You have all the money in the world to do that. But if you don't do that, I struggle to understand how you would be able to do that with having Morris, a 4.5 defender, let's say, and another player on the bench who I'm assuming is a decent option, like maybe another 4.5 million defender or a midfielder, like for example, Diaby, who you would play most weeks, but is also benchable when they have a difficult fixture. I, I don't know how you are thinking around those aspects of dead ending. Yeah, but I mean, I think the one thing I would say, though, is you'd probably never go Salah Holland conveniently without a wild card anyways. So you'd probably have to go Holland only or you know, Salah only for the run if you don't wild card, if you, let's say, choose to go Morris. But as I said, yeah. you know, the, the move to, towards Morris in, in any case indicates a short-term wild card, you know, either an 8 or a 10. I, I, I clearly prefer, for example, a move to Morris on, like, indicating a wild card 8 because yeah. it's convenient and you don't have to deal with um, him being dead weight in your team, as you say. But wild card 10 is probably the one that I think is a little bit more popular within within analytics right now, just yeah. because it seems to be spitting more EV for most of our teams, just because we actually have double United midfield, right? So you want to see out the Sheffield United game and then move away from those assets and probably back the Arsenal assets instead. And, yeah, and, and in uh, convenient game week 10, United play City, right? So... Yeah. That's a great week to get off United yeah. assets and into uh, maybe double Spurs even if you want to go that way. And the one thing that I would recommend more on a general basis is not to wildcard this week because I don't see the benefits of wildcarding this week in any case. If you want to get in a double game week player, use your one free transfer, get in that double game week player and then wildcard as you have planned later down the line. But 
playing your wild card this week just to maybe get some players from Luton and Burnley who whom you will never play most weeks uh, going into let's say for the next 10-15 weeks makes no sense you are just carrying dead weight on your bench so why just not keep them or maybe buy them for this week and then get rid of them as soon as you can maybe with 8 or 10 as you say I think 10 is more popular because there is a, a sizable amount of fixture swing and whereas in 8 I think a review might also be considering that the fact that Chelsea have a reasonable fixture right I'm not saying that Chelsea are attacking to any extent I don't think their XG is anything to speak about right now but however you want to judge the defense uh, attack I think Burnley and Fulham the next two weeks that uh, or Fulham and Burnley the next two games that they have are good enough for EV so in that case 10 makes more sense I agree with that yeah, I mean, look, wild card seven just is bad in two ways, I would say, just where you probably have to capture the shortfall of EV and with the double game week. And as you say, that just kills your long-term value bench-wise, yeah. which, you know, we now probably care a lot about, given that we play review and and it's highly suggested for an obvious reason where this wild card will have to carry you actually quite, quite far, including, yeah. let's say, uh, addressing the blank and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, and then also all the fixture swings for the teams that we probably have a little bit of FOMO about in terms of Spurs and Villa, maybe, arguably, which we probably didn't start a lot with. I think um, a lot of us were quite shy about going Aston Villa for a good reason, similar to Newcastle, where fixtures weren't weren't there in game week one unless you went for Watkins. And you might have even gone out, gotten out of Watkins since. So going back into Watkins is actually quite tough. So that's an interesting opportunity as well, where, yeah, ultimately... I would say wildcard 10 is something that a lot of people have been have been planning and and I think it's it's a reasonable position because I can understand in this season people are not expecting like a landslide wildcard and right now if you feel like your team is misplaced and you have some assets that I feel like are amortizing a little bit earlier than we expected you would probably think about wildcarding in the short term to maybe capture you know a little bit of that FOMO and I think Part of that too is related to the midfield climate, right? Where you have this week coming off, off of actually a, a blank, to be honest, with Madison and Son. You have players like Son and Madison once again doing good in the opposite fixture, the tougher fixture in the Arsenal game. And you're looking ahead, of course, at a sea of good fixtures and as well a, a home game at, um, versus Liverpool. And you probably want to actually move into to both Madison and Son, maybe because you're not so happy with, let's say, your Sterlings, your Fernandes, or, or your Rashfords. Now, Fernandes, I think, is, is a great pick. But definitely with Rashford and Sterling, I think some people are, are, are feeling to feeling a little bit of cold feet with uh, with those two picks. And then Madison and Son look so obvious. And you probably also want to bag hold Saka, now that we probably can assign a little bit more weightage to his pens. And yeah. you can see his EV baselines have increased. And also, just in terms of the topic of, let's say, the midfield climate changing too, I think it it's almost like in lines with some of the projections that we can see in terms of how, let's say, United and Chelsea are, are dropped in terms of their points projections. Now, obviously, they haven't performed as well so far, so that obviously leads to, to worsening of a points projection because Chelsea, for example, haven't been able to take advantage of their easy games. But it still suggests that we may be overestimated on some of these teams in the beginning. And so even if, let's say, United, for example, have still a very clean fixture run, we might not be so high on them. For example, when I'm running solves with Market, I'm getting much more recommended transfers out for United players, despite it being logical to actually keep them during this fixture run. Whereas, for example, let's say if I was running solves in review, still a little bit more high on, on some of the United assets, I would say. 
particularly the attackers. But then you can see now, maybe maybe Rashford doesn't necessarily need to be a keep, whereas you probably would have changed your mind on Saka. So I don't know how you feel about that, because obviously Salah actually has become the clear captaincy on many, many game weeks, as far as I can tell, in terms of baselines moving. The main thing that we discussed last week, and I think the, the scenario hasn't changed still, which is yeah. that if you want to go Salah-less, your midfield will be stacked. And you obviously keep hold of Holland as well. So that also reduces a couple of transfers to get him out and then get him back in later down the line. So I understand from that perspective why it makes sense for a certain solve on review to be Salah-less. I mean, obviously you can enforce that by uh, locking him out of your plans. But even if you don't, I don't think that they all these plans without Salah are going to be too suboptimal. Because as we've discussed... If you're not going to cap, if you're going to captain Holland anyway, uh, value in bringing in Salah is drastically reduced as it is. So what you are left with is just to come back to your point about Son. As long as Son keeps playing, and we can agree with the fact that his minutes have now changed. He is, I don't think he's going to play 90 minutes uh, in any game. I think 80 to 82 minutes is what I would set his experience on in the review. Because we've seen that clearly. Uh, the game straight doesn't matter. Even if they're chasing a game, if they're drawing a game, they're winning a game, he's still getting subbed around that 80-minute uh, mark. So, 80 minutes of Son as striker, over 90 minutes of Son as left wing, uh, we'll take that any day. And because his fixtures are almost, I would say from an attacking sense, uh, even Liverpool home is not that bad. It's not too late to bring him in, but again, I would say that just roll this weekend and bring him in next week because the maximum amount of price rises, I think Swan gets is one. From the time that we are recording today on Monday uh, to the time, I think the next game week, like your transfers come around for next week. So I would uh, rather hold off on making any transfers for Swan and just see what happens in this week and then act accordingly. And then for the other point about Rashford and uh, Fernandes, I think with Rashford and I have spoken to you about this before, this is a completely non-EV-centric non point, which is that I feel like because the front three is so destabilized, Rashford is not getting his all his minutes in a stabilized left-wing role. He's moving all over the place when he's playing an attack. And that means that, I mean, no model in the world can intricately model all of this, right? So if, if you want to make a mental adjustment to reduce Rashford's EV a little bit, you can definitely do that. I think. And, and the other way is obviously you reduce his minutes on the review just to get that downgrade in EV so you can look at how you can move him up. So there's like um, a bypassing review kind of thing where you can do that and uh, look at Rashford-less plans in the future. But with Bruno, I think that wherever he plays, he is central to what the team does and he's on penalties obviously. So... And he's cheaper than Rashford. So all of those reasons has made, made me hold uh, Bruno over Rashford, whom I sold for Son last week. And these reasons, I understand, are not tangible per se. I can't quantify them in any sense. But because I've watched every single game of ours, I can definitely say that Rashford is not playing in a stable left-wing role like he was uh, all season. And also with a stable left-back as well. Because I also think that is a, an integral part of how he plays with a stable striker, with a stable left back and with a stable midfield. And none of those things are happening right now. So for all of that, all those reasons, I would just go without Rashford uh, as soon as I could. Yeah. But I mean, I guess how, how close are we to that? Let's say if Amrabat continues to play in, into the side and, 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 and is fit, and then you have, let's say, Hoyland continuing to start, maybe Regulon's fit for a few games. 
I mean, yeah, do, so, you, do, you, do you practice that sort of patience with Rashford? I would be patient with Rashford, I think, this week because it's Crystal Palace and Sol is Liverpool at home. Mm-hmm. And even if I were not subscribing to review uh, reviews, uh, expected value methodology, I would still probably make the same decision because there's a lot of difference between those two fixes. So yeah. that is enough of a reason, I think, to hold Rashford for this week. But beyond this week, as we get, I know there's Sheffield United as well, but as we get closer to City, the City game, there's less of a reason to hold Rashford over someone like Son. Because as you said, the FOMO is just going to grow every week that Son keeps playing as a centre forward. Yeah, and, and that's what's interesting for me, because I have to sort of keep putting my head like whether I really want to go Salah and, and how I get towards Salah. And it makes me think that maybe... You know, playing playing towards game week ten with an idea of maybe wild carding, um, yeah. and and continuing to play without Salah, is something that I'm going to be planning to do because I I see Salah as a clear captaincy on ten. But I'm as I said, I'm I'm still happy to go Saka. As you can see, Saka's baselines have improved. Last week we said the gulf was one point two. Now I believe it's something like zero point nine or one point zero. But Clearly, things have changed. Salah has actually also increased in terms of his baseline. So yep. Liverpool Arsenal obviously is strengthening. And then actually United, who we talked about being a captaincy option gaming 12. I think both United options are actually now inferior to Salah and gaming 12. But just in terms of that, though, it, it makes me think, yeah, of course, I, I I could try and just simply just wildcard in gaming 10. Maybe even go out of Trippier then, right? Because then I have a chance to still maybe create a team that incorporates Sun but has has cash as well but but it will be a tricky sort of d- dilemma to sort of play around with and i think as you said the 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 acknowledgement about sun's minutes might also change some of my solves too i i, I admit i have a little bit of fomo over sun um yeah uh, sorry maybe... one, one thing uh, before we actually move on which is that uh, you spoke about salas baseline changing right and while i do not subscribe at all to the metric that it is called big, ch- big chances created Mm-hmm. PPS uh, contains that component and Salah has right. been creating a remarkable amount of big chances this season mm-hmm. and that yeah. has absolutely shot up his bonus potential because uh, if you look at all of his seasons prior to this one Salah scoring one goal in a game where Liverpool score multiple goals and him getting three bonus points is almost unheard of and I understand that uh, that's also because uh, Trent is not present right that's now right. and other players who would normally pull in some of the bonus potential from Salah are not present but if you even if you uh, consider those factors, I still think that uh, Salah's bonus potential by itself has grown uh, exponentially this season, and that will obviously lead to baseline changing. And with Son as well, I think you pointed it out to me that his baselines are also changing, and you expect them to keep changing, right, in the future, like going up. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we let's say took a like a market approach, he's I think quite ahead on market. So if let's say. I, I think there's room for adjustment is, is all I'm saying, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and clearly, actually, as you said, with Salah as well, because his XA per 90 is almost like triple of what yeah. it was last season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he hasn't stopped. Last game was like 0.98, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And he's still running okay hot in terms of NPXG, but that's also dropped a little bit. But as you say, you know, you can make up for that if you get into the bonus more consistently. But that also depends on, you know, Trent and then also someone like Sobozla as well. Mm. Maybe on set pieces too. And, and that mm. changes things as well with Robbo. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting sort of landscape. I think may- maybe actually we will we'll try to find ways to get both Salah and Son. I'm actually leaning a little bit more, as I said, towards Salah. 
than I was last week because now I'm seeing that he's become a, a more a more clear captaincy option compared to some of the other options like a Rashford on, on 12. So if, let's say I take Rashford out of my team and I go Sun instead, then it still is actually quite beneficial for me to go um, with Salah. And as I said, I'm also planning roughly to... Because my transfers are actually aligned, regardless of whether I go for a wildcard 10 or just plan to wildcard later, I think I'll, I'll persist with, let's say, either a role or a defender transfer this week. Because as I said, some people will probably still need to, to do some defender transfers this week. I'm in that position. I've got a Gusto red card. Um, some people still are dealing with Chilwell. And actually, yes, of course, you know, people have talked about how Chilwell can play the next game. But it's clear that he's not very valued right now. And so you might also be looking to move out of Chilwell because also this Chelsea team has been a little bit poor from the attacking point of view. If you see, let's say, Chilwell join the team again, it might be the case that he's a left back next week, which would also just reduce his overall appeal, right? So that's one thing to think about. As far as... So, uh, with, with Chilwell, mm -hmm. I just have one thing to say, which normally I would have not said of a Fulham team. Because last yeah. season, one thing that Fulham were doing was creating a lot of XG. Even yes. though they were conceding a ton of exit, they were at least creating some exit. But this season, I think the absence of Mitrovic is really being felt. So because of that, I would keep Chilwell if I owned Chilwell this week. Just because I'm pretty sure your team might benefit from some other transfer this week or maybe even rolling. And Chilwell against Fulham is, I think, one of the best options. Assuming we'll get a fair indication, I think, from hive mind predictions. And I'm not saying... Uh, Pochettino is going to give us anything useful, but uh, let's hope that we'll at least hear something about it. Because if we get an indication that Chilwell will start based on Dizazi maybe moving into a right back or something else happening and maybe Kaisado plays right back or something of that nature because he has done that for Brighton. Chilwell this week is not that much of a concern for me if I own him because his price is what? 5.6? And for those that bought him at 5.5, you can absorb another price drop now because you lost all value on him anyway. You can't sell him for a higher price now. So why not just keep him for this week when there's a big chance that he might play? And then next week, again, there's Burnley, right? So you can delay that decision if it means that there is something better that you can do with your team. But obviously, if nothing else is wrong with your team, then as you said, you, you should move on. Yeah, but I'm just thinking presumably if you own Chilwell on your team, you probably... Maybe, maybe you actually do have double Newcastle. I think, for example, someone like Elevenify actually has a team like that. But yeah. I, I'm assuming most people who still own Chilwell wouldn't have a, have a second Newcastle defender. And Fair. maybe you could still want to Fair. go into to that sort of pick. Just because it's Burnley at home yeah. anyways. Um, you know, when you compare it to keeping Chilwell, there's going to be price rises probably for Newcastle defenders again. Yeah. I, yeah. I can see the FOMO being there. Um, I'm probably not going to go for a Newcastle defender, to be honest. So I've got a alternative plan. And actually, I'm probably just going to be camping out for Regulon news or just rolling myself. Because in terms of defenders on my radar, I think Cash is, is firmly there. Because whether I wildcard or not, I think Cash will find his way towards my team. And it probably makes yes. sense for me to place a little bit more confidence over Cash than, than I do over Regulon, who has limited minutes, or someone like Dallo, who... Ultimately, I, I, I'm still struggling to sort of get around the underlyings, I think, where they're not particularly great, and he does seem to play quite defensively. Um, and Regulon is the one bombing forwards. Maybe that's just a bit of eye test for me, but Cash as well this season has been pretty scary. So I would probably like to go towards Cash. I know Dallas is very capable of getting bonus. 
but, no but with with yeah. regular one thing that also i would say is he is extremely injury prone as most yeah. of you might know and so there is a chance that amanamath might be forced to play full back and yeah and it's strange that tenha kind of gave him a warning in his press conference when he mentioned that yeah. amrabath is also capable of playing full back i think he was just making sure that amrabath knew in, in front of everyone that okay you might have to play there because there are so many injuries right now in united so adelo i completely get your apprehension with buying delo and with newcastle defense i would just say that you missed the best game already so if you don't get them for burnley then i don't think you should get them if you want to skip game week 7 fair enough i mean the ev is pretty good no i'm saying the second alone. one i think no, one I, I defender you can get but the second one is kind of iffy because cash becomes that much more optimal every week you delay that decision i think you can just directly go to matic cash because i am also eyeing up matic cash as soon as i can i'm just going to go for him just like you yeah exactly and yeah I mean ultimately this is a week for me to play Estupinian I would say if I was to roll mm. we'll see what happens as well Brighton's yeah. probably going to be a topic that we're going to ignore for the next few weeks it just says a lot about the climate of the season where you know I I mean I felt probably my most brutal swing this week and I don't think my team was necessarily horrific it's it's an interesting landscape to be in there's definitely no template that's for sure or at least the template changes faster than I I've, I've ever seen it Yeah absolutely I think no template is the right uh, takeaway from this whole situation right now and we can just take every game week as it comes with some sort of long term planning and and moving on to the last topic which is obviously captaincy for double game week 7 for me there are two choices either holland and if you go for morris then you captain morris and i want to get your thoughts on why you would captain morris because i am struggling to find any reasons but because i'm not going to get morris i am going to be captaining holland i mean it's 0.3 ev that's the difference right now the last time i checked morris's minutes are actually a bit random i think yeah yeah we've we've seen 73 yeah. we've seen also a bunch of 90s yeah but overall you know if you're not prepared to to captain let's say saka game week 1 once again madison in game week 5 mm. for me it's just why why bother but i i get yeah. it some yeah. people will think about it a different way they won't think about the ev and they'll just think about how it's two two strikes at the lottery um mm. and fair enough if you, if you if you think that way but i'm 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 not going there and yeah i mean good luck to managers who do yeah and i think that's pretty much it for this week we'll be back next week and hopefully all of you have a good game week